0: In those long weeks of darkness, I caught a glimpse into the minds of our ancestors. The death of the light grows very obvious as one nears the winter solstice in high latitudes. With powerful electric bulbs destroying all distinction between night and day, it is easy to overlook the dying of the sun. Simple to dismiss religious light festivals as mere superstition, But when the fallacy of electric light is banished, and one must face the truth of the darkness as humans have done for thousands of years, with only flame between our mortal frames and the night, every lost minute of sun is mourned. The nights grow ever longer as the light dies, and the most stalwart logic cannot completely banish the primal doubt that creeps through the back door of the soul. Will the sun truly return? As we sit through lengthening hours of darkness awaiting an ever-enfeebled dawn, the evidence contradicts our logical argument of a detached notion of planet rotation. The light is not coming back. Winter has given it a mortal blow, and nothing shall ever be bright again. Then solstice passes. The days grow longer. Can words possibly express the absolute bliss of the soul as light returns to the landscape? The relief brought with brightness as logic is affirmed and celestial bodies proven to be turning in their proper orbits? Never. As humans, we can analyze the phenomenon, we can discuss it, but we can never truly understand it in our souls until we have lived it we must confront the darkness to know the value of the light. Darkness lends itself well to retrospection. Even while Gabriel and I lived through those powerless nights of winter holidays, we recognized how limited the experience was. Imagine, we would tell each other, what it would be like without any electricity at all. No noisy fridge humming, no modern inconveniences the idea excited us. Time and again we came back to the topic and had variants on the same discussion. It was inevitable that conversation should lead to the extreme conclusion of the idea. What if we went all the way? Gabriel asked, not just for a specified time, but always. What if we got rid of all the extra modern stuff we don't really need and went back to how people used to live? I always did want to live in the 19th century, I said dreamily. When I was a little girl and my mom took me to the Flavelle House Museum in Astoria, I begged her to leave me there. I smiled into the darkness. My imagination split between memories of a girl younger than myself and visions of a century older than my time. I used to dream about what it would be like to live there amidst all that beauty what it would have been like when the house was new. The Flavelle House was the 19th century home of a wealthy Victorian family, now converted to a museum, all its rooms filled with period artifacts as though it truly were still a bygone era, and the family had simply stepped away for a short time. I wanted to stay there, to live there, more desperately than I had ever wanted to be anywhere else— I spent all my allowance on a little scented soap in one of the nearby shops, and after we went home, I used to lie in that old fiberglass bathtub in the house where I grew up, closing my eyes and breathing in the scent of that soap. I would imagine I was in the bathroom of the Flavelle house, and the smell of the soap was the ocean air coming through the window. Then I would dream about being out in the rose garden with that same ocean scent all around me. I spent hours thinking about it. I sighed and looked over at my husband. He smiled at me. Wouldn't it be nice? To go back in time? Of course it would. I shrugged in a fatalistic way. Not going to happen, though. Why not? I laughed at the illogical question. I mean, he specified, what I was saying before. Why couldn't we just incorporate as much as we can of the past into our lives, bring back as much of it as we could? Okay, I responded flippantly. I'll stop driving and we'll both give up cell phones. Now it was Gabriel's turn to laugh.